What's up guys, it's your boy Nick Hale and we're back for another episode of Enter the Muse. Today's guest is a motivational speaker. After going from $150,000 in debt and stressed to completely financial free by the age of 32, Robert discovered his passion of training others because he felt that if he could even assist one person in financial freedom, it would be all worthwhile. Robert only teaches from his personal experiences, struggles, and wins, and that is why he connects so well with the audience. Stay tuned till the end of this episode to receive a free gift. Anyway, let's take it to the show. Hey, Nick, glad to be here. Ready to have some fun if you are. Yes, absolutely, man. So what have you been up to lately? Well, you know, yesterday, actually, my wife and I were out in the middle of the woods. We were out on our quads, quadding around, enjoying nature, having a blast. And now I'm back home to take care of a couple of things before I go camping for another week and a half with family. Oh, nice. Do you go camping often? When our weather allows it, yeah. Here in Canada, we get about two and a half months, which is camping season. And we like to camp all season long. That sounds great. So uh, there's lots of wildlife and stuff there in Canada, right? It's quite cold there. I'm sure you get that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now it's not that cold. Right now we're in the mid-20s. We'll be hitting 30, 33 in the next couple days in Celsius. So it gets nice and hot as well. Okay. Yeah, I always get confused because in South Africa, we use uh, degrees Celsius and um oh wait in america it's different to the rest of the world but uh and canada do you guys use the same uh do you use fahrenheit or degrees celsius we use celsius yeah we're celsius just like you yeah all right cool so tell me about yourself man um how do you get started in um motivating people and things well you know growing up and and when i was a young man kind of like your age i think (laughs) <laughs> you're definitely a lot younger than I am. Um, I was taught, you know, you, you work to support your family, whether you like the job or not, if it's secure and if it brings you uh, an income, then you do it. And so that's how I grew up. But yet by the time I was 21, I'd worked for three different companies. And so my mindset goes, I'm working hard. I'm staying loyal. I'm giving them everything I have. Why do I keep getting laid off? And I realized if I wanted control of my life, I had to take that control. And out of necessity, Nick, I ended up delivering pizzas for a company called Domino's Pizza that you may have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> um, and from a pizzas. delivery. Yeah. Well, from delivery driver, I ended up becoming a store manager. My wife became my assistant. And with about a year and a half later, we were actually able to become franchisees. We were qualified. And um, out of necessity, and the reason I say that is because we're managing our store that for our franchisee and he decided he didn't want to be in Domino's pizza anymore. He was selling his two stores. Now we're qualified to be franchisees, but we don't have any money and it's pretty hard to buy a business if you don't have money. Yeah. And so my mindset said, we better contact other franchisees and look for another job because we knew the new owners would come in and, and let us go right away. And my wife's like, why would we do that? And I'm like, because we need a job. And she goes, why don't we buy this store? And I'm like, because we don't have money. Hello. (laughs) And she goes, yeah, but why would that stop us? And one of the things that I have is I have passion. And I'll tell you, um, my my muse, going to your show, my muse is my wife. We met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. And we got married when we were 19. And we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. Congratulations. And I have no problem. Yeah, thank you. I have no problem saying I would not be doing what I do today if it wasn't for her. Because I would be caught in the mindset of don't question anything. Find the job that makes, you know, keeps you stable, even if you hate it. That would be my conditioning. But she's not willing to live that way. She's like, why don't we think outside the box? And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. So she's inspired me by kicking me in the ass sometimes to step into the bigger game. And we were able to learn by making a lot of mistakes. We learned how to buy a business with no money. 
and we actually bought both Domino's pizzas he had for sale, and we did it with 100% financing, so no money of our own. And we became franchisees, which it was like, oh, you know, we're now franchisees, we've got to be. But our conditioning, our mental background was we would spend more money than we were earning. And by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we were actually over $150,000 in debt, and we were going down quickly. And that's actually when we were introduced for the first time to personal development, working on ourselves. We walked into a three-day weekend, stressed out beyond belief, and we started learning, first of all, why our finances were the way they were. Second, to take ownership. We're the ones that caused the, the financial stress. We're the ones that was spending the way we did. So we took ownership. It wasn't someone else's fault. And then the third thing we learned was, what are some practical skills? to create financial freedom. And walking out of that three days with new tools and a new mindset, we put into action. And one of the things I want your listeners to really understand is a big difference between having success and not is people that are not successful, they don't take action. They would have walked out of the weekend and went, well, that was a nice weekend and did nothing with it. But we made a commitment to ourselves to put things into action. And because of that, we were actually able to go from being over $150,000 in debt to actually being completely retired, financially free, nine months later at the age of 32. Wow, nine months later, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and our minds went, wow, that worked. If this much information gave us that result, what would more information do? And that's when we dove into being students. We started learning from as many masters as we could because, Nick, I'm a big believer. Don't just learn from one person. Don't just learn one way. Learn from as many people as you can and pick the nuggets of gold that work for you. And while we were doing that, I found my passion was to train, to teach, because I felt if I could help even one person do what my wife and I had been able to do, financial stress to financial freedom, it'd make it all worthwhile. And with that passion, I started training. And over the last 18 plus years, I've been blessed to travel around the world several times. Um, I personally taught over half a million students. I've started a number of businesses. I've designed my own app, wrote my first book. I'm writing my second one now. And I'm having a blast. I'm loving life and just help, you know, my, my passion is to help as many people live life as well. That's quite incredible, your story. Um, right here in South Africa right now, jobs are like really hard to come by and a lot of people right now are unemployed and also uh, there's a lot of debt and things our currency right now is really bad um, our government took like a loan from the world bank and things what you are saying with starting your own business basically with no income whatsoever i think a lot of people can take from that and follow in your footsteps in a way yeah, and look, here's some practical tips that it takes. First, it takes tenacity. You cannot stop. You've got to be willing to just keep going and, and learn, mainly learning and doing whatever needs to be done. Legal, ethical, moral. Let me be very clear on that. You don't go in to try to take advantage of people. You go in and you learn, how could I do it? So tenacity is number one. But the second thing is creativity. Now, what I mean by that is, most people come in with blinders and they think there's only one way to do things. And that was me. That was absolutely me. But my wife, you know, she said, no, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another, um, you know, if someone sits there and, and you go, hey, you know, um, I'd love to have, I'd love to work for you. I know there's no jobs, but I'd love to work. And they're going to go, why should I hire you? And you may give them some good reasons. And they say, no. Well, your choice is either you say, okay, and feel defeated and you back away, or you say, ask yourself, how could I make this work? Uh, I teach people what I call the authority master key. And one of that is, the, I use the word vital because I love acronyms. And the V in vital stands for become a virtuoso. And here's what that means. A virtuoso is someone who's willing to just go in and learn. So start however you can. All my life, one of the reasons I've been successful is I don't care if I start scrubbing toilets. I don't care if I'm shining shoes, pressing shirts. 
if there's a job or something I want to do, I'm going to find a way to add value and get started. And I'm going to work my way up. And the beautiful thing is, is as I find a way to just get in and get started, I start learning all the way. So Domino's Pizza, 95% of the franchisees started off as drivers. And then they learned how to then become a manager, from a manager, become a franchisee. So if there's no work, ask yourself, what do I know that can add value to other people that maybe I could create my own business and start small? Maybe it's, you know, there's a skill you have. Like right now you're doing a podcast. How long have you been doing your podcast, Nick? Um, it's been one year. Monday was actually one year to the day since I started the podcast. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. So have you thought of teaching someone how to get started? I haven't actually. Right? So because, look, you overcame the biggest hurdle. Most people would never get started. They go, oh, I want to do a podcast. This is great, but they never start. So you could actually teach them how to get started, what equipment to use, what, um, what different technologies you want to use, how to do it the most cost-effective way, how to find guests, how to use PodMatch, and you could charge a small fee to do it. And the cool thing is, is you could, with today's technology, make it a global business. So you mentioned that your currency is down right now. So find people with a higher currency, find people in Europe, find people in the US and charging US dollars or euros or pounds so that you're not worried about trying to do it in your currency. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you said that you do not think outside the box. Like that never occurred to me until you said it right now. (laughs) Right. And well, I've learned over the years to think outside the box. And that's what I do now because it's so natural for me. So that's where the creativity comes in. If you're struggling and you're focused on the stress and I have no money, law of attraction kicks in and it's going to give you more stress and it's going to give you less money because you're saying I have no money. And it's going to say, let me make that a reality. Here's less money. Here's less money. So you've got to have also the positive outlook and say, all right, I will get through this. And there's a, and I'll ask it like this too. Have you ever heard the saying, Nick, that says everything happens for a reason? Yes. Have you heard that? Okay. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. Excellent. Did you know that's not the whole um, statement? No. But yet that's what people know. See, and that's why they get frustrated because everything happens for a reason. (laughs) Why is this happening to me, right? And the whole complete statement is everything happens for a reason. And that reason is there to serve me. Now, with that understanding... That puts you into curiosity mode. Yeah. So now you can sit there and go, okay, right now I'm financially stressed. Our currency is not good. Things aren't going well. I can't find a job. So I was just told everything happens for a reason and that reason's there to serve me. What could be a lesson from this? And now when you go in looking for a lesson, often you get maybe a little more clarity. And I'm never going to say that the lesson is going to come right away. It could be, you know, months later or a couple of years later, all of a sudden something will go on. You'll go, Oh, that's why that happened. (laughs) So don't expect the lesson to come right away. But I'm going to use my example. March 10th, 2020. I land back in Canada from doing a three-day live event in India. March 11th, I get put into lockdown because of COVID. My whole world changed. All of a sudden, all my live events are being canceled. Cash flow comes from doing live trainings around the world in front of audiences. All of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue, gone, just like that. And I have a choice. I can sit there and go, why the f- is this happening to me? Yeah. <laughs> and play the victim. Or I could say, okay, why is this happening? And my wife looked at me and she goes, well, you know, we be- bought our beautiful acreage three years ago to eventually build our training center on it and have students come see me instead of me traveling. We weren't gonna do that for three or more years from now. She says, you're at home, we have the time, why don't we build it now? So in December, we broke ground on our training center. Next week, I move into my office and our whole center is ready to go. I had to totally reinvent myself uh, to go digital because now I do everything online. I do trainings online. I do coaching online, even my mentoring students. 
there until they can come to my physically come to my training studio. I have to work with them online. So instead of playing the victim, I use two very powerful words that I use a lot in my life. And I want your listeners to hear this, write it down, and I want them to use it in their life, especially when things do not seem to go right for them. The two words are what's next. Because if you ask those words, Nick, then it again activates the creativity in your mind. And all of a sudden you start seeing things differently that maybe you missed before. If you're so caught up in, I'm trying to find a job, I'm trying to find a job, no one's hiring me, you're going to keep on that path. But if you go, okay, what's next? Because in the old days, and I don't know about the statistics in South Africa, but in the old days, it was common that someone would have the same job and career for 40 plus years of working. Yeah. Today, research shows that people will have five to seven completely different careers in their lifetime. And so now you look at it and you go, okay, what's next? And it may be scary. It may take courage. But you go from that virtuoso place and say, well, what, what do I love? And, and here's a key for everybody. Instead of thinking what you have to do, ask yourself, what do I enjoy? And then see what you can do in that arena. So now you're not only doing what you love to do, but you're making money at the same time. What a concept, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I hope this is helpful to you and your listeners. Yeah, it is. Um, what you are saying about um, doing multiple things, I think that's uh, very important because uh, when one thing is going wrong, there's always something to fall back on. And um, that is a safe way of playing it and a smart way. I wanted to ask you, uh, once you switch from touring to going digital, how did you find that uh, at first? And uh, has it actually <laughs> benefited you more than uh, before? And do you think that you're going to, once the whole pandemic is over, you'll go back to touring and doing that stuff? Well, I'll tell you, it takes courage again. And I, I decided, my wife and I said, we're going all in. We're going all in. Because the goal was, the reason we were going to build it is so I don't travel as much. So even when things open back up, I may do one or two trips a year to do some trainings because I love being in front of live audiences. I love impacting people's lives. But the majority is I will get to enjoy being at home. And I'll run masterminds here. My mentoring students will come here to learn how to be trainers. And so I'll get to enjoy my beautiful home while still helping people. So I'm getting the best of both worlds. And I'll tell you, it was a steep learning curve. Because for 18 plus years, I got to pick and choose when and where I wanted to train. <laughs> you know, I would still take six months a year off because I love my time off. I have not had to work for money for years. I do it because it's my passion. So any of the trains I was doing, I was picking and choosing where I wanted to train. But also now I'm re-looking at what does it mean for social media? I brought on my very first virtual assistant ever. And as soon as I did, I went, why the hell did it take me so long to get a virtual assistant? She's making my life so much easier, right? And she's working on all my social media because now for my Facebook, my LinkedIn, my Instagram, we're going to start with those three because people know me from being the contractor and being put in rooms in front of a thousand or more people. But now I have to get myself more well-known if I'm going to keep going virtual. So it has been a steep learning curve. And I'll tell you, it means some hard work. I, I've been comfortable for the last number of years because I get to pick and choose what I want to do. But I had to be willing to buckle back down, go back really being into that student mode, learning things like Zoom. When I do a training on Zoom, I don't just sit down. I'm actually, so I've got my big director's chair I'm in right now. But when I do a training, I'm standing because I'm energetic on stage anyway. Yeah. When I open up my training center, and if I'm doing a live Zoom training, I'll be standing, I'll be on stage, I'll have multiple cameras. I've got a video wall because yeah, I'll do only a couple of events a year. That's it, live. The rest I'll still do virtually. So uh, where about have you traveled? Like uh, you mentioned India earlier. Where else have you been? Yep. To? Oh my goodness, all through Europe. Uh, so several countries, uh, Switzerland, Sweden, Germany, Poland, um, the UK, uh, where else? Um, Ireland. 
So a number of countries throughout Europe, all through Asia, I spent most of my time in Asia. So Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Vietnam, uh, Brunei, uh, Thailand. Oh my goodness. Does language barrier then, uh, impact um, the way you teach? Because I'm sure like- Yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have um, simultaneous translators and I can have up to six languages being translated at the same time. Oh. So I've learned, I had to adjust to be a little bit slower because when I get going in high energy, <laughs> I go fast. <laughs> yeah. So I've had to learn to slow down. I had to learn that some of my jokes just aren't funny when translated. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what I will tell one of my translators is uh, when, I, when I train a new one is I'll teach them, I'll say, if you don't understand one of my jokes, because let me be clear, Nick, my jokes are silly and stupid. I have bad jokes. I have bad jokes. But I like to have fun. And I'll tell them, if there's a joke of mine you do not understand, here's what I want you to say in microphone. The trainer just told a joke. Laugh, please. <laughs> and so <laughs> when I get the bigger laughs, I know that's what they did. And so <laughs> I have fun with that as well. So language has not been a barrier because I work with amazing people. Yeah. Yeah, humor is that thing. Like it can't really translate um, elsewhere. Uh, so I studied film. So um, I'm basically trained to be a filmmaker, and uh, I found that action movies do well, do the best. And like me personally, I don't really like action movies because I feel there's like no substance to it. But if you think about it. Um, Action is like the most easiest way of getting people hooked. That's why like you see Fast and Furious and all these movies doing well in China and also the Kung Fu movies uh, uh, yep, do well. Yep. Like we watch those stuff. Uh, but like when it comes to humor, cause I like comedy. So um, that I know won't do well overseas. <laughs> right, you, if you're gonna do humor or comedy in a different country, you have to make sure that you understand their language, their culture, to, and how it would translate over. Absolutely. See, and that's part of knowing your craft. So I love that you talk about, you know, what is your muse and, and being with artists and, and actors and entertainers, because what separates, from my experience, great entertainers and people who are professionals from the ones that don't do well, is the great ones are never stopping learning. They're always, how do I enhance my craft? How do I learn something different? You know, one of my favorite actors um, is Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And if you study him and you see the work he puts into every character, the work he puts in behind the scenes. You know, I even got to meet him personally one time. Really? And I do, he's a really nice guy. Oh, oh, and he, he is. I, and picture this, out of not supposed to have happened, but I ended up doing a 30 second dialogue with him. <laughs> and it blew me away. Because he came to one of my trainings quietly. We couldn't let anybody know he was there because the filmmaker, the director that wanted to um, have him in a movie, he was in Vancouver, BC, in Canada here. He was there filming a movie. And there was a director who wanted Keanu to be a star of his upcoming movies. And it had to do, um, part of it was with the training industry. So they arranged to come to our training to learn about the training industry. And I was the trainer doing it. So we had the director, we had a writer, and we had Keanu Reeves. And once I got my assistant, I had an assistant trainer. He was training. We had about 900 students in the audience. It was a three-day, very intensive weekend. And so we then quietly slid in behind, and we're in the audiovisual audio booth, and we're watching. And they're leaning over, whispering, asking me questions. I'm explaining. And we went back into the office, and we're talking. And the director was saying, you know, here's the scenario. He's an arrogant trainer that loses everything. He loses his career, his wife, his family don't want to talk to him because he's just ego. And he asked me a question. He said, how would you handle that if one of your trainers was acting that way? And what's interesting, Nick, is I was clueless because in my mind, I'm going, no one would ever be a trainer with me if that's how they were, because <laughs> that's just not what I do. So I looked at him and said, well, I would never have a trainer like that. And, and the director sitting to my right, but Keanu Reeves is right across the table from him. And he's just quietly listening. He's dressed like Neo, <laughs> six foot three, dressed like Neo and just calm, quiet, and very casual, right? 
very, like you said, super nice guy. And he's listening to me talk. Director's like, no, 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 no. If you had a really ignorant, arrogant trainer, how would you handle that? And I'm like, I would never have trained that way. Nick, I wasn't getting it. And after going back and forth for a couple moments, all of a sudden, Keanu Reeves snaps into character. And he looked at me and he barked at me and he said something. And I don't know why, but I turned to him and I'm like, it's because you fucked up. And the next thing you know, we do, we're back and forth, back and forth for about 30 seconds doing this dialogue. And the writer's going, that's it, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> what I want. I, I, we stop. I'm vibrating. And all I can think to do is to reach over the table and high five Keanu Reeves. And hopefully, hopefully he high fives me back. <laughs> and he did. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, what just happened? What just... It was phenomenal, right? What's cool is that particular training. I was actually teaching people how to find what they're passionate about. The whole weekend was about showing them how to tap into their passion and make money doing what they love. And one of the big things we do is we create vision boards right there in the weekend. And as an example, the next day, so Keanu Reeves is gone. What a great experience. I get to finally tell my students what's going on. Yeah. And I'm getting, we're, we're about to do the mission or the vision boards and the, the um, vision boards. And I go to hold up one I did a couple of years earlier as an example. And all of a sudden I start dead. Because dead center in the middle of my vision board from years earlier, I've drawn a picture of me sitting across the table from a well-known actor doing a dialogue because wow. I've wanted to act as one of my passions. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm like, because I didn't, I forgot about that dream. Wow. And here I was, I had just done a dialogue with one of the top actors in the world, especially at that time. That's amazing, man. <laughs> What's the name of that movie? I want to watch it now. <laughs> I don't think it ever came out. Oh. Because I watch for it, and, and you know that some movies just never make it, yeah. and they never get done. But the premise was, he was a trainer that loses everything, and he finds his passion of golf, which he, he always loved golf, and he was good at it, and he became, um, he started teaching people golf, and from teaching them golf, he became more centered and calm and regained his life back. So, you know... I watched for it and I never saw that movie come out. Yeah, that's the thing with movies, especially um, you can have the most amazing script and everyone's on board. You have full production crew. Uh, you got the actors. You have everyone on board and then something happens and then the whole project just falls apart and it never gets made. Yeah. That happens to so many yeah. good movies. They call it production hell. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. That would frustrate the heck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like so many like good TV shows that it took like 20 years to actually make. Do you, do you know uh, Queen's Gambit? I haven't watched it, but apparently it, it took like 30 years for them to actually get everything together, script, cast, and they went through multiple directors, multiple writers, and then finally wow. got made like 2019. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it as well. I haven't watched it myself. But I've heard a lot of things, uh, great things about it. And, and that's it. That, and, and see, what you just described, though, too, is a perfect example of people's lives. Right now, a lot of people in South Africa are in production hell because they know they want more. They want a job. They want to get going better. But it just doesn't seem to be working. But if you keep at it, if you keep your focus on your passion and you take one step, one step at a time, you won't know when something all of a sudden finally clicks in. And, and this, is, this is kind of the encouragement I would put across to every single one of your listeners is that, you know, there's a saying, and it's from a song too, it says, if you're going through hell, just keep going. Because at least now you've got the momentum to get through it, right? The worst thing you can do is sit there and go, oh, it's never going to work. And you give up on yourself. I, and again, this comes from experience. Many times I've done that to me. I've done it to myself, but luckily I've surrounded myself with people that won't let me stop when I'm trying to stop. And even if it means they kick me in the ass to get me going again, because, and it comes down to, I, for years I believed it's important to surround yourself with like-minded people. And a lot of people think that's a great idea, and I did too. But last year, a mentor of mine put a whole new shift to it and gave me a paradigm shift, because what he said is basically, like-minded people, you and I, we could say we want to go to the mall. 
So we walk down to the bus stop and maybe there's three other people there waiting to go to the mall. Now in that moment, all five of us are like-minded. We're waiting for the bus. So we're of like mind. That doesn't help us create success whatsoever. It just means we're ready to go to the mall. That's it. And that's what most like-minded groups do. They all start thinking the same. And so if all of a sudden one person starts to complain, get in a bad mood, or this isn't working in my life, all of a sudden it impacts the rest of the, the group and they all become like-minded. Woe is me, playing the victim. Life sucks. It's not our fault. What the hell, right? What he said is, instead, surround yourself with growth-minded people. And the big difference is the growth-minded person is not only going to be there to support you and help you when you've tripped or fallen and you need an assistance, but they're the ones that are going to have, be willing to have the tough conversations when you are playing smaller than yourself, when you're trying to be the victim. They're the ones that will say, hey, basically, smarten up. You know, why are you, why are you playing the victim on this? Get over it. Get going. Yeah. And those are the people I choose to have in my life surrounding me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons I started this podcast. So I could get to like speak to different people from across the world, hear their perspectives on things and learn from them. I love learning. Like uh, I call myself the most productive, unproductive person because being an art, <laughs> I'm like, so I started off wanting to be an actor. And then from that, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting cast in movies. So I started writing my own scripts. And then I ended up directing and shooting my first short film. And then from nice. there, so once I've done that, then I'm like, okay, I love music. Then I started uh, making my own music. And then um, I'm like, okay, this is getting a bit boring. Let me get onto comedy. And then from that on, and then I started podcasts and then I'm, so I'm like always like starting different things. And I actually finished a novel um, just last month. Uh, actually this month I started. Oh, congratulations. Before, thank you. I started before uh, the lockdown, before the whole uh, pandemic and stuff. And then I got caught up with other stuff. And then um, recently I was in quarantine because I actually had COVID. So I decided to use that time to finish up the novel. And then I finally did right. that. So now the next step, the next step <laughs> for that is um, getting uh, a publisher and things. And I'm just like, in a way, putting that off for some reason. I don't know, cause I'm just like creating other stuff. I don't know, that's like a problem that I have. Like I always start off with something. So, well, then... but, but see, so let's, let's put a new twist on that. Because first of all, notice where your mind goes. Is it a problem I have? And so because you all of a sudden label it as a problem, that's going to just keep manifesting as a problem in your life. I never complete. I start, but I don't complete. And you're going to um, be hard on yourself and beat yourself up thinking it's a problem. So what I would recommend is actually celebrate that you have the awareness of who you are. I'm a great starter. My strong suit is not finishing, it's creating. I'm a creator. Now you can find someone to partner with who's the completer. So as an example, and, and look, people in South Africa are going, I need work. So you reach out and you, and you say, I'm a creator. I like to start things. I'm looking for someone who's amazing at completing things that can take what I start and take it, my creativity, and put it into a complete, um, you know, and follow it through. And let's do a partnership. You put in sweat equity, I'm putting in sweat equity, and we split the profits 50-50 as we complete things. Now, you're working with your strengths and allowing someone else who's taking their strengths, which are complementary to yours, and you're making it work together. Here's an example. You've been doing a podcast for a year now. How many guests have you had? Uh, this is my 30th. You're the 30th guest. Excellent. Do you realize you've now already written a book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With every, you could, and what's the name of your podcast? Uh, Into the Muse. There's a title for the book right there. See, my book, Success Left a Clue, is a title of my podcast when I was doing it. And the sole purpose I did my podcast, 104 episodes, I only interviewed four people. The rest were me just putting my thoughts down is because every episode I instantly had it transcribed 
put them on my website because some people like to listen, some people like to read. But now my virtual assistant, she's taken all 104 episodes, put them into categories. I've got six new books now. Wow. Six new books. Because I did the speaking. It was what's on my mind, in my passion, in that moment. See, you've had 30 episodes. You could turn that into one or two books easy. So you turn around and you find someone who's good at writing and you let them listen to your podcast and write it so it looks like a book or two and then you publish it together and now you've got another revenue stream hmm. that you've That's already incredible. created. <laughs> I That's like how you just like think of this on the fly. <laughs> but it's taken a lot of practice because now yeah. it's normal for me. But in the beginning, do you think I thought this? No. no. So creativity, my friend, creativity, watch what that can do for you. Because now, as you're doing a podcast, you can sit there and say, and ladies and gentlemen, you know, if you like this podcast, go ahead and order my book based on my top interviews. Hmm. Get the PDF version, get the audible version, order right from my website. And now you've got an automatic generating revenue for you. Sell it in U.S. dollars, so it doesn't matter what your currency is doing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> Are you picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> Definitely. People should take note of this. And, and this is how things get created. But see, what yeah. the blocker for most people are is how much are you going to pay me? Yeah. See, again, let's go back to being a virtuoso. When you're a virtuoso, you're like, I'm getting in there. I'm going to, I don't care what I'm doing for, for two and a half years. I full on volunteer at every personal um, development training my uh, one of my mentors put on 38 events a year for two and a half years. I volunteered at my own expense. People told me I was crazy, but because I was there, I was watching his every move. I learned his mannerisms. I learned his voice tones. I learned how he moved around the stage. I was watching him. So, of course, when I then got my chance to be on the stage, I already had it in my mind. I had done it a thousand times. And now, because of that, I've been blessed to train thousands of trainers around the world. Hmm. But it started with me putting in the work to learn. And, and, and one of my friends got upset at me one time. He says, you know, uh, with how much you and Roxanne, Roxanne's my wife, how much you two volunteer, I hope you're getting paid a lot of money. And I looked at him and said, I get paid nothing. And he lost it. He got upset about, how dare he, that cheap bastard, blah, 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 blah. And I just let him vent. Yeah. And I said, why are you upset? Well, how dare he for all the value you bring and all the good you do? And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, um, did you go to university? And he said, yeah. I said, how many years? And I think he said three years. I said, what did it cost you? He said, about $50,000, $70,000. And I went, oh, I understand why you're upset. Because you spent $60,000 and spent three years on your education. And are you making money doing what you learn? Probably not. So you're upset that I spent two years and I invested in my own traveling around to learn. And now I'm making a lot of money doing what I learned. I understand why you're upset. <laughs> but see, his mind could not put the two together until I bridged the gap. Some people get caught up in, it's only if I have a formal education for my career. People don't look at, well, if I put sweat equity in and I learn and I even pay to learn, that's going to be worthwhile. I've now made millions of dollars because of what I learned spending that two and a half years watching, volunteering, giving back, being of service. And I have the lifestyle that most people wish they could have. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, and you're good at writing, and you want to do a partnership with Nick, I suggest you reach out and get a hold of you. Thanks for that promo. <laughs> There's a public service announcement for Nick Hale. <laughs> On the list of questions that I have here, the four currencies of life, could you speak about that a bit? Absolutely. The first currency, what everybody thinks of right away, money. And what people don't realize is called affluenza. And when you have too much money, you start doing crazy things with it. Too little money is called poverty. And which from what you're saying, a lot of people in South Africa are experiencing right now. 
And what I've come to understand is there's a zone. Each of us has our own zone. You're different than me, which would be different from the next person, from the next person. We all have our zone where when we're in this zone, that's when our life just seems to be the best. So like for me, I, I have friends that want to be billionaires and I'm like, good on you. Work your ass off if that's what you want, because that's, that's for them. That's what they want to do. I don't yeah. need to have that lifestyle. I like my time off. So my zone, I know that if I'm right around with my, my investments and in that, if I'm making more than say a million dollars a year, that's too much because now I start doing crazy things. But if I'm and my lower end is if I'm making less than a hundred thousand a year with my investments in that, I get stressed out because I'm going, what's going on? That's not cool for my current lifestyle. Between those is my win. And as they learn more, their 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 zone grows. And I've mine's gone up and down, but now where it's at, I've found is kind of the ultimate one for me. Uh, and that's just from years of having making a lot of money, making no money, making a lot of money, making a little money. You know, so I've known where my zone is. That's the first currency. Second currency is the currency that we all have the exact same amount of, which is time. Too much time on your hand is boredom. Too little time on your hand is stress. And there's a lot of people that are stressed out because they're going, I'm so, I have no time. I always encourage people, if you want your life, start a new part-time business. And that business is the business of managing and investing your money. And people go, but Robert, I, I'm so busy now. I've got a family. I've got this. I don't have time to do that. And what I've realized, Nick, is that there's a difference. People are really, really, really good at being busy. Yeah. But they're not really productive. Right. See, I could come to my office and if I'm not focused, I could spend eight hours in my office to write my new book. But during that same time, I've checked my email 25 times. I've been on social media. I may have played a couple of my games. I may have phoned a couple of people and I might write my book. So in eight hours, was I really productive or was I just busy? Mm. And most people, when it comes to currency of time, they're good at being busy. So one of my recommendations is this. On my calendar, my wife and I, we schedule in what we call our balanced pieces first. Time to, for ourselves. Time for being together. Time for spending with family. Because we know that when we're busy, if we don't take care of ourselves, and I've learned it the hard way. I've gone through burnout. I've gone through back, two back surgeries because I was training so much when I first started. I didn't take care of me. And I ended up herniating a disc. And having to go through two back surgeries to correct it. Mm. I ended up going through burnout and having to take three and a half years off just to get through the burnout because I was overgiving for getting to take care of me. And so we schedule on our, on our calendar, first things we put on our calendar is things for us to rejuvenate. Reading a book, we like to read. Watching movies, we like to watch movies. Spend time with family. So those things go on first. Then I schedule in the focus time. Research and science has proven that a person cannot stay focused for more than about an hour to an hour and a half. So I don't sit there and say, I'm going to do four hour focus time. Yeah. I'll break it down into one hour chunks. For this one hour, I'm coming to my office. I'm going to work on my book. No emails, no phone calls, no nothing else. I'm working on my book. And in that one hour, I can be as productive as eight hours of being busy. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if your listeners and hear me closely on this, if you're finding you're overwhelmed because you're too busy, take a step back and start being a little more productive and watch how much time you free up. I guarantee you will. Okay. And it, and it takes having discipline. You got to work at this, Nick. And most people, they just, they aren't willing to work at it. And success takes work. And, and people go, but Robert, I'm working hard. And, and what I want them to understand is most people are actually working harder, staying broke, then they'd have to work to be successful. Yeah. Like I found even with studying and things, when I used to study like really hard, I'd like put up, like put so much work, but then the results weren't there. But when I started like spending less time and just uh, studying smarter, <laughs> um, I actually got much more results than before. And I would spend like yeah. way less time doing that. Yes. Uh, one of my business partners, because he's a programmer and a uh, um, marketer, and he's on his computer eight, nine hours a day doing work. 
So one of his tricks is he takes his smartphone, he sets a timer for 50 minutes. And in 50 minutes, when it goes off, no matter what he's doing, he stops, he stands up, he turns some music on, he dances for about five minutes, sits back down, resets his timer, and gets back to work. Hmm. And he stays more productive that way because he changes up the energy, changes up the state, okay? So time is your second currency. The third currency is the currency of fame. And this is a tricky one because if you notice, fame has a way of ruining people's lives if they let it. Because it, when everybody's wanting their 15 minutes of fame, and especially with social media today, oh, I yeah. want this to go viral. People will do some of the silliest things to see if they can get the fame. And the people that cannot sustain it, there's a difference between achieving fame and a difference between attaining and maintaining fame. And so when it comes to fame, I, I love, there was a uh, uh, interview years ago with Jennifer Lopez that really resonated with me. The person doing the interview said, you know, Jennifer, you are a powerhouse. You're a singer, you're a dancer, you're an actress. You are like a force to be reckoned with. But we also know that you are amazing in family life. How do you separate the two? And she said this, she said, for me, when I'm on stage, when I'm singing, acting, dancing, whatever it is, I'm J-Lo. That's who I am. But when I'm home, I'm Jennifer Lopez. I'm just me, plain old Jennifer Lopez. And that resonated with me, Nick, because when I'm traveling around the world, I have assistants taking care of everything. I have students, hundreds and thousands of students that want to talk to me and are waiting to see me. And, uh, you know, it's easy to go into ego. But when yeah. I come home, one of the first things my wife will say is, honey, you're home. There's no more assistants here. Go take out the garbage. And I love it because it grounds me. It keeps me grounded. See, when I'm home, when I'm on stage, I'm Robert Raymond Reilly. When I'm at home, I'm Robert or Rob, plain and simple. Yeah. Because I keep those two. I, do, I, I choose not to allow that ego to play out. That's the third currency. And the fourth currency, the one I really work on now, this is the one that is my main focus in life. And that is the currency of experience. So here's for your listeners, especially the ones in South Africa. What you're going through right now may be tough, but be present with it. Experience what you're going through because a couple of things are going to come from that. Down the road, as things do get better, because this too will pass, it will. As things get better, you're going to have that experience to draw from of, you know what, when things were tough, I was able to do it because of this and this and this. But most people, what they do, Nick, is they'll sit there and they'll be so far in the future trying to figure out where they want to go, or they're living in the past. Why did this happen to me? That wasn't fair. Playing the victim, they forget to be present. Yeah. And so when you are present and you're experiencing what's around you, like right now, you and I are having a conversation and I'm just marveling the fact that I'm in Canada, you're in South Africa. And because of technology, we're having a conversation. Like, yeah. hello, how does it get better than that, right? And so when it comes to experience, experience, see what you can do. Like when I run a mastermind, I don't want to just have people come for the mastermind. I want it to be experiential. And so I don't want you to come to the end of your days and look back and go, what did I really do with my life? I just remember a lot of stress and some happy times, but mostly crappy. I want you to look back and go, I remember when I was 25 and oh, this experience. And I remember here, that experience and own it because you experience it. It's locked in the cells of your body. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I love how you broke it down. Um, Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> that joke wouldn't translate in China. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why is chaos not only normal, but critical in life? And how do you utilize it? Hmm. So this one comes down to another acronym I love to use. There's four phases of life that people go through. And, and the, especially your listeners in South Africa are going to resonate with this one because they're in chaos right now. Yeah. A lot of them are in chaos. And the reason people struggle is they, they try to resist chaos. They try to um, say it's not happening. It's not right. But if you understand chaos is natural. And here's why I say that. As human beings, we are meant to evolve. And chaos comes into our life as a way to evolve. 
So I use another acronym, the acronym of OPEN, to describe the four phases that we're always going through. The O stands for observation phase. This is when, this is the time to create, meditate, put dream boards together, vision boards together. Ask yourself, what would I absolutely love to do, have, or be? This is a time to be in that creative space. So you, when you are switching from one um, thing from acting to singing, singing to producing, produce, when you're doing your switching, you're going into observation phase. You're full on in that observation phase going, this is amazing. This is something new. I'm ready. I'm learning. I want to know how it works. Okay. So observation phase is where you create. The P stands for pamper phase. And this is the phase that most people, especially entrepreneurs, they skip this phase or they don't utilize this phase. And it's the exact reason why they sabotage their success. See, in the pamper phase, this is about taking care of you. This is about what do you enjoy? So when you enter a pamper phase, that's the time to go on a holiday. Or if you can't go on a holiday in that moment, you plan a holiday. You go for a massage. You go get a haircut, get a manicure, get a pedicure. If you love to read, you sit down and read, maybe only for 20 minutes. So the reason you do the pamper phase is because you, again, it's something I said earlier, you cannot give what you don't have. See, when I'm training on stage, Nick, I'm on stage for three to five days in a row, up to 12 hours a day. So if I don't take care of me, that's what, which I didn't in the beginning, that's why I got burnt up. That's why I herniated my disc and had to go through two back surgeries, is I was skipping the pamper phase. I was over living my passion. I was only at home two days per month because I was training so much. Sure. And so the pamper phase is critical. It's critical. And it can be something as simple as, um, I have an app on my phone called Calm, C-A-L-M. And I use the free version because on the free version, I can sit down, turn on the sound of rain, which I love, and I'll take 20 minutes just to listen to rain because it takes about the first five to 10 minutes for my mind to quiet down for me to become present and to relax and I rejuvenate. So a pamper phase doesn't even have to be long. And, and a guilty secret of, of why I travel around the world. People have asked me, they say, Robert, why do you fly 200,000 miles a year around the world? Why do you, why are you willing to hop on a plane for a 12 hour, 14 hour, 16 hour flights? And one of the reasons is because I love experiencing culture all over the world. Yeah. But the other reason, the moment I sit in my seat on that plane, Nick, that's my time. I don't connect to Wi-Fi. I don't pull up um, my work to do work. I read because I love to read. I watch movies because I love my movies. I, have, I sleep, I have some good meals, and I drink some good wine. That's my time. Because I know the moment I land for the next three to five days, I'm busy, busy, busy. So I'm very conscious to take care of me. Make sense? Yeah. The next phase, the E stands for energy. This is the time to get stuff done. This is the time to be productive, to write, to do emails, to carry through on what you said you're going to get done. This is, I can put in, when I'm in an um, energy phase, I can do an 18, 20 hour day and I don't get burned out because I've been taking care of myself in the pamper phase. So the energy phase is where you are putting the nose to the grindstone and being productive. That's very important. Then the final phase, the N actually is for unclutter, unclutter phase, or another name is chaos. See, now the reason I call it unclutter is because in the chaos phase, Nick, this is where you actually courageously, and I want everybody to listen to my words, courageously destroy something. And here's what I mean by that. See, when you come into the uncluttered phase, the chaos phase, this is the time to destroy something that's not serving you. It could be a business or personal relationship that just isn't working, but maybe you hang on to it, hang on to it, thinking it'll turn around. This is the time to let that relationship go, destroy the relationship. This is the time to, um, maybe you want a new vehicle, but until you get rid of the old vehicle, you can't have the new vehicle. 
And the reason I call it unclutter is because you can actually cooperate with chaos by courageously volunteering to destroy something. Could be something as simple as you look in your refrigerator, you open it up and you're like, you know, there's probably some food in there I should get rid of. And you clean it out, you'll unclutter the refrigerator. You're showing the universe that you're willing to unclutter and you're volunteering to do that. I come into my office every couple of weeks and I'll go time to unclutter. Because now when chaos comes into my life, it doesn't come in with such intensity because I'm voluntarily destroying things consistently in my life. One of the biggest things that you can destroy is a non-supportive belief. So your listeners in South Africa, that our currency is bad, there's no work, there's nothing I can do about it. Let that shit go. Let destroy that belief. And the best way to do it is proving. And so I would turn around and say, you know what? I just got some tips from listening to Robert and Nick. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna become a virtuoso. I'm gonna ask myself what I enjoy. And I'm gonna find somewhere where can I start learning how to make money doing that. And I'm gonna just start. Because now you destroy that belief that's been holding you back. And the moment you do, it puts you right back into the observation phase. And so those are the four phases. So these four phases, um, what is the timeline for it? Is there like specific? <laughs> no. Um, with everyone, is it different? It, it, it's different. And every part of your life can be in a different part of the phase. Your personal relationship might be in the pamper phase when your business career is in the energy phase. And maybe your health is in the observation phase. So it can, you can transition. You have no control from when you go from one phase to the other. And so here's what I like to say to people. Instead of being willing to um, live life, I want you to be willing to courageously allow life to live you. Now, there is a way you can kind of get an idea of what phase you might be in. And so I want your, your listeners to visualize, especially if they're doing this just audio, they're not um, watching and I want you to picture a, a straight horizontal line. And on that horizontal line, let's go into music terms, there's a nice wave and an energy wave okay. that starts off on the line, goes up, comes down through the line, goes under it like you know a dip, and then starts coming back up to the line. So just one bump up, one bump down, the beginning, the end, touching the line. Okay, so there's this nice little sound. Now, where's touching the line at the beginning? That's number one. The top of the first of the peak is number two. From the top of the peak to the bottom, it goes three, four, five. The bottom is six and coming back up is seven. And so what happens is I would have someone, I would visually put that out in front of them. And I'd say, pick an area of your life right now. And so Nick, let's talk about, um, let's go to, what, what's one area of your life you'd like to know kind of where you're at? What would be one area? right now yeah right now well it's kind of hard to answer that because uh over the last few months especially this year uh there's a lot of stuff that's been going on uh, personally um, absolutely so okay so let's take your life overall right now would you say you're a one kind of at the line or are you at the two or you are at three four or five things seem to be kind of going downhill Six, you're kind of rock bottom, or seven, you're coming out from being rock bottom. If I you were think, to choose a number, which number? I think it's just coming out of rock bottom. So seven. Yeah. Perfect. See, what you just told me for your overall life, if you picked a one or a seven, you're in the observation phase. The two, you're in the pamper phase. This is the time to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Okay? Three, four, five. That's the energy phase. That's the get stuff done phase. And the sixth is the unclutter phase, the chaos. So because you're in the seven, you know you're now in the observation phase. This is the creativity time. So this is the time to say, what kind of book would I like to write? What kind of um, life would I like to have? Where, you know, what kind of um, lifestyle? What kind of home? This is the time to just really spend time looking at what you would love to have in your life. Not how would you have it, 
Not what would it look like? When is it going to happen? No, but what would you just love? Because you're in the observation phase. So to go back through that with your, for your listeners, a one and a seven, you're in the observation phase. Two, you're in the pamper phase. Three, four, five, you're in the energy phase. Six, it's like rock bottom, you're in the uncluttered phase. That's the time to courageously destroy something. So you can think of it like taking a weight off your shoulders so you can start rising back up, which is then the seven, because you're now back in the observation phase. Make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you have, yeah, and you have no control of when you go from one phase to the other. Sometimes you can go through the cycle several times in a day. Sometimes mm. you could get stuck in a, one of the phases for days and weeks, and you have no control. Are so the quote Elsa from Frozen, yeah, let it go, let <laughs> it go. That's the only part of the song that I know. <laughs> That's why I say courageously allow life to live you. Because you're going to constantly be going through those cycles. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Are there instances where you could skip a specific uh, phase and go on to another one or, or maybe perhaps go back in phases? Could that possibly happen? You know, if you do, it's because it was meant to happen. But be conscious because the one that people then try to skip the most will be the pamper phase. And then they'll get yeah. burnt out and their chaos will come full force. So, uh, and look, I'll give you an example of that. When I overlived my passion, I got burnt out. I said I was going to take one year off. But that one year turned into three and a half years. A, because yeah. of my health issues, but B, because I got comfortable again. I got yeah. comfortable and some of my old negative non-supportive habits started coming back in. And do you believe that God or the universe sends you lessons all the time? Yeah, absolutely. And what happens if you don't listen to the lesson? What if it happens if you don't get the lesson? You'll have to repeat it. And it'll come back with more intensity. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah more force. Yeah, definitely. so that's right. So here I was, I, I set the intention. I'm taking one year off. All of a sudden, one year came and went, and I started getting these little hints. Robert, you said you could take a year off. When are you going to start training again? When are you going to start sharing your gift again? But I was now comfortable. And I'm in pain because I'm going through back problems. But... To me, it's like, yeah, 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 whatever. All of a sudden, the lesson came back more intensity. And I remember it was August 10th of 2010. Beautiful sunny day when all of a sudden I got attacked by a dog. I was The dog lunged for my throat. But luckily, because I was standing up, I was, about to, I was going from a kneeling down um, position up to a standing motion, my chin had dropped. So instead of getting my throat, he got my chin. Mm. And he punctured in three places on my chin, but he ripped through the side of my chin. And in that moment, I had a choice, Nick. I could have looked at it and went, why the did this happen to me? Or remember that curiosity, everything happens for a reason, and that reason is to serve me. So I said, why did this happen to me? And instantly, something I teach, a universal principle came to mind that says this. That which is not utilized is eliminated. You see, I had said I was going to start teaching and sharing my gift again after one year, but I didn't. It went into two years and then on. One inch further, the dog would have got my jugular mm. and me and my gift would have been gone like that. Sure. And in that moment, I realized I had to start training again. I didn't have to do it for money. I haven't had to work for money for years. I had to do it because it's my gift is what I can bring to the world. And so in that moment, I made the decision that it was time to come out of retirement and start training again. And I'm like, I do not need another lesson. I got <laughs> no more, you know, because that was a pretty traumatic lesson in my life. Yeah. It took me about two years. I'm an animal lover. And it took me about two years to get over my fear of big dogs. Hmm. Because every time I'd see another one, I would just tense up and, and it could have been the nicest dog in the world, but because of my energy, it would reflect on them. And then they'd be uncertain about me, which would then take my fear of them and which would then make more uncertain to me and it became a vicious. So cooperate with life and watch. So the people that are in the chaos right now, no worry, economy's not doing well, 
currency's not doing well. Embrace it and say, okay, this is where I grow to a whole new level and ask themselves, what would I absolutely love to do? If money was not an issue, what could I start part-time to allow me to move towards my absolute purpose in life? And then take one step mm. and then take another step. And you may just be amazed at what you can accomplish by doing that. Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> so what's next for you? I'm currently writing my new book right now, which is called The Authority Key. And um, have you ever noticed, Nick, that there's people that can have the same amount of knowledge of less than you, same amount of experience of less than you, but they make more money than you? Have yeah. you ever noticed that? Yeah. And the difference is, is they're seen as an authority, but maybe you're not. And so the book is going to teach people, A, the practical skills of being an authority, things like doing a podcast like you are, but it's also going to work on inner. That's where the authority master key comes in. Uh, that the thrive acronym, the, I talk about the four phases, the open acronym. I talk about the four currencies of life. That's all part of my new book. That's coming, going to be coming out in the next few months. So that's what's next for me. And as we open the world back up, I'll start having students come visit and train at my facility here on my property. So. Good luck on that. eh? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, I love to give a gift to your listeners because you have me on your podcast. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they like gifts? Everyone loves gifts. <laughs> ah, cool. Well, if your listeners go to my website, robertrealpel.com, so just my name.com, they will be able to actually download the ebook version, the PDF version of my first book, Success Left a Clue, for free as a gift from us because you brought me onto your podcast. It was a pleasure having you on my show, man. Ah, my pleasure. And I will warn them, though, it's not a book just to read. It is a workbook because all step right. number three is you have to take action. So I have action steps all the way through the book. But yeah, definitely, you know, because you reached out to me and said, hey, I'd love to have you on the show. I'd love to give that as a gift to all of your listeners. Use it and watch. It will help change your life. It absolutely will. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I'd love to have you again sometime in the future. You name it, I'll be there. All right.